Welcome to the Consider This Podcast. For even more exciting content, visit our website at considerthiswbc.com. Enjoy the podcast. All right, good. Well, it's time to begin, and it's a great crowd here, and I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you're gonna, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently tonight for Consider This, and it's something that, that hit me some time ago. I thought, you know, and especially in the age of, of COVID, when so much was going online, we were doing everything live before, and then we hybridized everything, and I thought, you know what, this gives me some opportunity to talk to some people that don't have to travel here, uh, but we can still interact with them live, and we can still ask questions about some important topics, and so we're... Uh, we're blessed to have Dr. Ed Lamance with us tonight. He's going to be up there on that screen so that you can see him really well. And then for the live stream, uh, you're going to be able to see uh, he and I talking with each other. A little bit later on, because we're going to stay true to our format, uh, you're going to have an opportunity to ask him some questions. The topic for tonight is demons. And uh, Ed and I are going to go back and forth. It's going to be more of an interview style because I've written down and sketched down quite a lot of questions that, that I've got. And then after that, uh, maybe you have something specific that you would like to ask to him. And we want you to feel free to ask that as well. Tonight's going to be a really interesting night. I know that some other people are coming in. We're going to be getting some more chairs. It's kind of a, it's, it's a full house, man. So that's good. Maybe we picked a good topic. Uh, <laughs> But, but while some other our chairs are, are being brought out for some of you, again, for those of you that haven't had a chance to get some coffee, feel free to go and get that. But I'd like to just kind of jump in if you're good for it. Ed's got his coffee, and so we want you to feel free to get yours. Uh, but this is Dr. Ed Lamance. And so, Ed, I just want to take a couple of minutes and for you to introduce yourself to, to the crowd, both those that are physically here as well as those that are online. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, where it is that you're at, what it is that you do in ministry, a little bit of your background and some of your credentials, and maybe just anything else that you think that the group would find interesting tonight. But I wanted to hand it over to you to do a okay. little introduction. Okay. Well, thanks for the privilege to get to speak uh, to you guys. Um, my background is that uh, I was born in Houston, but uh, grew up in the, uh, Fort Worth and uh, been in the Dallas-Fort Worth area pretty much uh, ever since. Um, went to, I uh, came to know Jesus when I was eight, but really didn't understand. My, my dad was uh, at best an agnostic growing up. And uh, my mom took my sister and I occasionally to church. So I went occasionally and uh, basically about age eight, uh, I was interested in fire insurance policy. So I uh, wanted to go to heaven when I died. <laughs> so uh, fast forward to my uh, teenage years and in high school, I'm at a camp and I hear um, Jesus desires to give me life to the full right now. And I'd never really heard that. So it's like, wow, really? Uh, meaning, purpose, reason to be now, not just heaven when I die. And so that was a game changer for me. And that's when everything really totally pivoted. And I said, basically, uh, okay, Jesus, if you can do that, I'm all in. But if you can't do that, I'm all out. <laughs> it was kind of my attitude. And uh, that was... Uh, about 56 years ago. So I've um, uh, been on journey with him for a while, and I'm glad I made that decision. I uh, was discipled by um, several godly men, uh, a guy in a Youth for Christ organization when I was in high school, then a navigator during college days. Mm -hmm. Went to Southwestern Seminary, where I got my, um, well, I went to UT Arlington, got my uh, undergrad in psychology and then did my master's PhD work in education, Southwestern Seminary. Um, so, and I've been on staff at uh, Lake Church for 47 and a half years. And, Same uh, church for 47 and a half years. Yeah, kind of gum on the shoe. They can't get rid of me. And <laughs> yeah. So, so I started out as part-time, almost nearly, uh, but not quite hard, a youth and music guy. And I've just kind of changed roles through the years. Uh, in the 80s, I got my counseling License. I'm a licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist. And so I've already done a lot of that through the years and then was asked um, in the early 2000s 
to develop a counseling ministry for our church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I did. That's Impact Counseling and Guidance Center. We opened in 2005. Got a lot of uh, really incredible staff. And this year we will have seen about 60,000 counseling sessions uh, for the community. That's awesome. Uh, been, been able to train about 70 folks that are all over the world. So it's been a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I guess so, man. You're having an impact. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And that will connect to some of the things that we're talking about tonight as we are going to be focusing our discussion on, on demons. And you and I have had the opportunity to talk a couple of times now about, about this topic. And uh, just so you know, you know, he came to me highly recommended by a friend of mine named John Carswell. And John is very active with Compassion International. And I was saying, you know, I want to do a consider this on the topic of, of demons. And he said, I know the guy. I know the guy. And so that's what got us connected. Uh, that is me and, and Ed. And so, again, thanks for giving us just some of your time, man. We really appreciate it. How about we just jump in? Does that sound good? Yeah. Not okay. Plan. So, you know, I, I know that when it comes to the topic of the supernatural, and, and I don't just mean demons, I mean anything uh, else. You could talk about belief in God, you could talk about angels, you can talk about demons. Uh, there can be a lot of skepticism ab- about this. So, you know, one of the questions I had was, so why think that demons exist? And I know, I know on the one hand you could say, well, because scripture talks about these things. But a lot of my friends are atheists and agnostics, and they're not really wondering whether or not scripture says they exist. They're just skeptical about what scripture says. What, what would you say would be some reasons for thinking that, that demons are real and they're active in the world around us? Well, I mean, you, you already noted the, the prime mover, and that's word of God says so. But, but to your point, um, you know, there's, it's not a stretch to recognize that evil pervades our world. So the question for a lot of folks, is it just human evil? Or is there something more um, spiritual in nature behind that? And so uh, I have come to understand that, yes, there is. And uh, so I I get the fact that a lot of people would wonder, why would you believe the Bible to be true? Uh, My experience has been for the last 22 years, I've been dealing with darkness up close and personal. So I have lots of personal experience with darkness where just like in the Bible, they're hijacking vocal cords and confronting me out of someone. So um, uh, I know it's very real because I deal with them all the time. So uh, from that regard. Yeah, you know, so you you talked about, you know, hijacking the vocal cords. You know, I would be, I would be, um, cautious about taking our cues from from Hollywood. My guess oh, yeah. is most of the movies that are out there are kind of missing the mark on what actually is happening when there is is demonic activity. Uh, you, some of you probably have this image of the Exorcist, you know, where the voice starts to like this, and then the head starts to spin around. But in your experience, is that really the way that that demons work, or is that a sensationalized view of what? You would you would run into if you were if you were encountering a person that's dealing with the demonic. No, that's Hollywood, and, and I, I tell folks, look, uh, I've had lots and lots of encounters over the last two decades, and I've yet to have somebody's head spin around, spit green pea soup at me, and spider man at the wall. You know, paper uh, <laughs> doesn't drop twenty degrees. You know, you don't see your you know, and and they don't. Uh, again, I don't have some thought, you know, that, that kind of thing. Now, one of the reasons that I have uh, not chosen to video any uh, of my sessions is darkness, they love, they love, they love the theater. They, they play to the camera. And, and so they'll kind of do whatever you buy into. Uh, I mean, I had one start speaking to me and Latin one time, and I go, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> in Jesus' name, you're going to speak English. So, uh, so, no, it's not, Hollywood mostly gets it wrong, okay? You, I mean, unfortunately, we read the Bible through the lens of Hollywood, which is really, really sad. And, 
I'm not the exorcist, okay? My job's not to exorcise demons. My job is to help people know Jesus so they can invite him to give them what they need concerning uh, intrusion in their lives. So, so when you think about that, uh, you know, one of the questions that, that people have, it's, I mean, obviously you believe that demons are real, you believe that they are, are active, uh, but what would be some of the ways that you would know that a person is, is dealing with the demonic? So a person is, for example, demon-possessed. What would be some of the things that you would look for? I mean, in Scripture, you, you know, the Gadarene demoniac, you have some other examples there. Uh, some would talk about, you know, superhuman strength that they've seen. There's a, a book called uh, Playing With Fire. I think Billy Hallowell's the one that, that wrote it. You know, and, and talking about this small-framed girl that could literally, like, pick up a table that's basically made of iron with, like, one hand, you know. Uh, there are these stories where there's superhuman strength. Or another one that he reports is, I believe it was up in Indiana, I might be wrong about that, uh, but a family and some friends that witnessed a, a young child of theirs literally scale the wall like a spider and then do a backflip and like stick it. And I thought, man, sign him up for Team USA. Wow. But people report these these things of having seen these kinds of things in front of them. What would you say, okay, not denying that those things happen, but just in the work a day, to your experience, what do you see mostly when you know that a person is dealing with demonic influence or even possession in their life? Okay, that's a great question. So let me let me address it a couple of ways. One is, again, they love the theater, all right? So they can they can do some pretty cool stuff. Okay. Um, yes. All right. Now, what, what I really want people to think about is typically when we think about, let me back up. When the Bible talks about demon possession, all right, when it uses that phraseology in Scripture, that's really a misfortunate translation of the Greek for our culture, all right? Um, you know this, but in our culture, when we use the word possession, I think ownership. That's my possession that belongs to me, right? Well, that's not what the Greek is talking about uh, in Scripture. It's not talking about ownership. It's talking about influence and control. And that's a huge difference. And so after my first encounter with spiritual evil, um, when I really did the deep dive in Scripture and started looking at what Scripture actually said about it, I go, wait a minute. I've had a misunderstanding of this whole possession thing. It's not about possession. It's about influence and control. And the analogy I use is like alcohol. A person can have one drink and you're just a little bit on the influence. You can have several drinks. And now you better not be caught driving uh, you think you're in charge, but you're really not. Then you have so much to drink that you either pass out or you're up doing stuff. You may or may not remember what happened. Well, that's a wide range of under the influence from one beer to blitz. Okay. So what I tell people when you talk about, and I like to talk about it from the standpoint of spiritual intrusion and harassment. I think that's a much better biblical way to think about it. Okay. So spiritual intrusion and harassment, I want you to think range from slight to moderate to severe, all right? Now, after my first experience, I, I thought that that was kind of a typical kind of dynamic with this spiritual intrusion piece. See, Mark chapter 5 that you mentioned while ago, the gathering demoniac, mm -hmm. that's not a typical picture of intrusion. That's an extreme picture of intrusion. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it can get stage four metastasized cancer, all right? That's not typical at all. And unfortunately, because for me as a mainline evangelical that didn't really study this at all, uh, I didn't know what to do with it when it started showing up. And so part of what's happened is the Lord's been teaching me what typical looks like. And typical is Matthew 16. Uh, where Jesus has the encounter with Peter 
where he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Okay. Now, what's really important for people to understand is you need to back up in, in that passage to Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus has them on retreat. And that's the conversation, who do men say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says to Peter, you're right, Peter, but I want you to understand you didn't figure that out on your, on your own. God revealed that to you. Now, that's really important. Mm -hmm. God revealed that to you. That thought wasn't your idea. It says then that at that point, he started talking about the cross for the very first time. Now, it's about a week later when Peter has a sidebar with Jesus to suggest an alternative way to the, rather than the cross, and that's where he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, the reason I put those two things in frame it is because if I, if I pull it back and I'm looking at that, I'm going, Jesus is going, hey, Peter, you remember a week ago when I said that thought that you had about me wasn't yours? That was from God himself? Uh-huh. Okay, Peter, that thought you just <laughs> wasn't from you either, but that was from Satan. I'm telling him, shut up and back off and get out of my face. So... What I want folks to understand is typical intrusion is every day, Peter not gathering demoniac. Okay? Mm -hmm. So every day I'm intruded upon, every day I have thoughts that are not mine. Some of those are from God, some of those are from darkness. Mm -hmm. So that's what typical intrusion looks like, is I'll have some thoughts that are not mine, just like Peter. Mm -hmm. Now, can it get as bad as the gathering demoniac? Yes, I've helped some of those people. All right? That's a very, very sad place to be. Mm -hmm. But I want people to think about what typical looks like, not what they just focused on the extreme. Yeah. I've, I've heard it said before, and I wanted to get your thought on this, whether or not you think this is true, is that a, a person cannot unwillingly be um, uh, influenced by a, a demon. So they, in other words, they have to open the door for this kind of influence to be happening in their life. What would you say about that? Is that, is that right? Yes, that's, that's exactly the way it works. Okay. See, they can't make me do anything. They have to have my volitional will. God set it up that way. So again, this Hollywood thing of them jumping on you, no, it doesn't work like that. They've got to get my buy-in. All right. Now, the primary way they get buy-in is through sin. That, that. So I used to just think of sin kind of one-dimensional. And from a standpoint, it breaks fellowship with God. Yes, it does. But at the same time, what it does, it allows darkness access to me. So, uh, and I didn't understand that. So spiritual evil has a right to harass me when I choose to sin. That's what the Word of God says. Okay. So if you, if you have a person that is dealing with demonic influence in their life, part of what it is that you have to figure out is where the door got opened up for that influence to take root in what's happening with them. Absolutely. And the analogy I use is this. I say, all right, look, if my life, if I'm a house, all right, I've got front door, side door, back door sin, just as a way to understand it. Front door sin is when I intentionally ignore what God has to say. All right. No, thank you. All right. That's front door sin. Mm. Side door sin. That's when someone sins against me and I do not handle it correctly. Mm -hmm. This gets into the whole arena of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not for perpetrators. It's for me. And spiritual evil will always exploit the hurt and pain in my life that I've not worked through. And then backdoor is the generations past. That's where the sins of the father being visited upon the third and fourth generations. So I didn't let them in the house. Generations past let them in the house. So I got front door intentional, side door hurt, sinned against, back door generations past, and then I've got what I call open windows, windows of opportunity, where I'm in a relationship I shouldn't be in, God didn't sign off on. I'm going places he didn't sign off on me going. I'm having things, doing things, reading things, watching things, that he didn't sign off on. So those are windows of opportunity that spiritual evil will leverage. Okay, so with that, you would probably say, hey, be very careful with the things that you watch. Be very yep. careful with the things that you listen to. 
yeah. uh, and so forth, because you're opening a door for them to utilize, whether it's movie or music or whatever, as, as a conduit of influence into your life. Yeah, see, we don't, for a long time, I just didn't think it mattered that much, all right? But what I've come to understand is it matters way more than we, than we recognize. So, yes, see, if I'm doing something that, that Jesus isn't okay with, then darkness will leverage it. You can count on it. Yeah. So, so on that, and, uh, you know, because you work in the, you know, you're a counselor at your church. You were talking about that before. And one of the questions that, you know, has come my way before and one that I want to pitch to you is, you know, how would we know the difference, though? You know, if, if, if a person comes into the church or comes into your church or it's one of our relatives that we know has been, been struggling with a lot of things in their life, how would we know that it's, it's the demonic versus they're dealing with a genuine mental illness? They're, they're dealing with... You know, they're a paranoid schizophrenic, for example. I mean, if, if, if does the question make sense? You know, how yeah, would we be able total. to to pull these things apart to know? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. So let me answer it in a couple of ways. One is uh, God made us body, soul, and spirit. All right, and and it is put together very complex. Okay, so. Um, so when I'm talking, when somebody comes to my office, all right, got depression, they've got whatever they've got, all right, and they want to talk with me, okay? So one of the things I explain to everyone, all right, is I want you to think in terms of your soul in two pieces. I'm not going to get real theological. I just kind of just have a, have a way to frame it, and I want to talk about soul being thinking and feeling. All right. So four pieces, your body, your thinking, your feeling and your spirit. All right. So I say four tires on a car. So the condition of all four tires is always going to affect the ride of the car. You can have three brand new tires and flat. Well, we got a problem. So my approach is a holistic approach. And that is, okay. what's going on? physically, what's going on biologically, biochemically. Mm. Uh, it's not unusual for me to have someone that is clinically depressed and they need medication to address that. That's not a spirit. That's a biological problem. Somebody's got bipolar disorder. That's a medical condition. That's not a spirit. Okay. So what's going on medically, biochemically? What's going on in the world around me? What are the stress factors? Uh, safe, unsafe? Uh, with the mental piece, what am I believing? What am I buying into? What's my worldview? Uh, it only takes a little bit of lie to get me to a bad place, ultimately, in my belief system that then starts creating problems for me because I'm believing something that isn't true. And then, okay, now what's going on with feelings? How do I feel about the past? How do I feel about my present? How do I feel about my potential future? And then the spiritual tire in terms of God, am I alive to God or am I not alive to God? How healthy or unhealthy is that relationship? And then how is spiritual evil playing with all four types? So that's the approach I take, uh, which is I'm supposed to look at body, soul, and spirit, uh, because if, if, if I don't, then I'm not helping them get truly better. Now, I'll have people, because I've, I've sat with Satanists and Luciferians and pagans and atheists and all kinds of folks through the years that'll say, I don't want to talk about the spiritual peace, or I do want to talk about the spiritual peace, but not just concerning Jesus. Okay, that's fine. All right. I'm just laying it out for you. Uh, I remember a conversation I had one time um, not too long ago with a guy who called me. He said, okay, my coworker said, you're the guy I need to see. I go, okay. He said, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, well, I'm an atheist. I go, okay. He said, that going to be a problem for you? I go, nope, ain't going to be a problem for me. So he said, well, all right, we'll give it a shot. So, so we sat down and talked, and I told him, I said, look, I want to respect that. I'm not going to talk about that piece. And we just dealt with the other three tires, okay? And uh, 
so after a year or so, he was interested in having a conversation about how this piece fit with the other tires. So, so first of all and foremost, I want everybody to understand, you've got to look at all of that, hmm. all right? And so when I'm listening to someone's story, mm-hmm. if, they, if they're dealing with extreme abuse, PTSD, those kinds of things, I'm going to have to start with helping them unpack all of that pain all of that abuse, all that garbage that's happened, because spiritual evil is going to feed on it, all right? Now, concerning extreme conditions like schizophrenia and, and that type of thing, mm-hmm. well, there's diagnostic tools for those kinds of issues. And, and so what I want people to see is this. It's not a question of, uh, well, let me back it up. I used to ask, all right, is this just a Romans 7 problem? I'm dealing with my sin nature, all right? Or is this an Ephesians 6 problem? I'm dealing with spiritual evil. What is it? Which is it? Mm -hmm. Well, what I've learned is that's the wrong question. See, most of the time, it's both and, not either or. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, it's one or the other. Part of our problem is I had a Western cultural biblical worldview that separated out spiritual reality from uh, physical reality. A biblical worldview doesn't do that. The biblical, if I'm reading the Bible biblically without my Western culture overlay, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to see them simultaneously interactive. And I didn't understand that until I started working with all of this. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it correctly. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is every day I'm dealing with Romans 7 and Ephesians 6 every day. And so the question is, what's the condition of all four tires? And how bad has it gotten in terms of the intrusion piece? Got it. So, you know, you've probably heard the phrase, the devil made me do it. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, which I'm sure at times the devil's like, I didn't make you do that. You chose just fine on your own. Thank you very much. That's correct. Yeah. I, but I do wonder, uh, in line with this, is there such a thing as like, um, you know, imagine that a person deals with lust. Yeah. Or imagine that a person deals with anger. Yeah. Is that something that, uh, you know, is there a lust demon to, to put it kind of, you know, uh, okay. Bluntly, yeah, or is there an anger demon? Is there a, you, you see the question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's, yeah, here's the way to think about it. And, and by the way, let me say to everyone, um, there's no way in our, in our hour together that I'm able to cover everything, obviously. So let me just say my website is edlamance.com and you can go to edlamance.com and under resources, I've got a lot of talks there. Uh, and some other things that are all free. And, and one of them is how strongholds work. When you watch that, it takes about 20, 25 minutes to watch it. That'll explain what I'm about to just say <laughs> in a better way. All Fair right. enough. So, so to your answer, okay. So here's the way I tell people. All right, look, the Bible talks about strongholds, all right? A stronghold, I like to call them playgrounds. It's a play. It's a place where spiritual evil plays and I supply the toys, all right? So for your question, I I will have a human anger issue and a spirit will seek to exploit that. So it is both and. So they'll come in and they will put it on steroids and amp it up, all right? So, and the other thing I want folks to understand is you're never just dealing with one spirit ever. You're always dealing with a number of spirits. They don't all do the same thing and they're not all on the same level. I have all the same responsibilities. So, but to your point, if I've got an issue with anger or lust or pride or you name it, will spill, will I be dealing with some spirits exploiting that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will be dealing with my own sin nature. I must confront both, not one or the other. Yeah. And this might be why Paul says in, in uh, 
you know, second, was it second Corinthians 10 for the weapons yeah. of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the breaking down of strongholds, which yeah, is basically like what it is that they're trying to get. They're trying to get a stronghold in your life, something that, it, that won't let go. Yes. And I, and I actually, um, I love the imagery of that passage where he says, uh, that those weapons that he gives us are mighty through God, dunamis, dynamite, right. same word used for the resurrection power of Christ to the casting down and utter destruction of the stronghold. And that's a military term that says don't love, let one stone be on top of another. Level it. But then stop there. Then it says I'm to go in and recapture every thought and imagination that has been taken captive. And that's also an imagery of hold it at sword's point and make it comply. See, I, I had a passive understanding of the word repentance. And that is, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to walk away from it because the word repent, as you know, and I'm sure taught, change your mind. Okay. Right. So I had this, okay, I'm going to do a 180 and go the other way. Well, that's a, that's a bad way to understand repentance. Repentant, repentance is not a passive word. It's an aggressive word. It means go tear it down. Don't let it stand and make those thoughts come back. And, and unfortunately, we've got a passive attitude about it. I did for way too long. And you, that just lets us get beat up. Yeah, yeah. Which is why our Catholic friends would talk about the mortification of sin, right? Yeah. You don't play with it. You kill it. Yeah, right? yeah. You got to kill it. Matter of fact, I was asking the Lord a while back uh, because uh, James 4, uh, he says, God opposes the proud. Mm-hmm but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's always the order of things. If I don't humble and submit, I cannot and will not resist. Okay, so people that do this, get away from me, Satan routine, and haven't humbled and submitted, there's no power. Because in Jesus' name is by whose authority, because I've humbled my knee to the king. So I was asking for, okay, what's a stronger word than reject. Uh, and he gave me the word defy. He said, son, you need to become defiant concerning the darkness and your sin. Hmm. And I go, ooh, that's a pretty, you know, we don't typically use that as a positive word. Right. Uh, but he said, you need to become defiant concerning your sin and defiant concerning the darkness. If you, do not if you do not defy the darkness, you will unintentionally comply with the darkness. Mm, wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that's helpful. That's helpful. So this would even be true when you might be understanding something like an addiction. Would, yeah. you, would, you, would you see an addiction as, uh, as what maybe Paul would try to, to loop into the word stronghold? That's what I'm saying. It's a both-and piece. There you go. I've got to do my work, and I've got to deal with the darkness that's leveraging my sin and my, and my challenges. That, that's, that's the missing piece of the puzzle, and that's what actually started me on this journey, quite frankly, because for a number of years, I was asking God, what am I missing? Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a trained counselor. I've been discipled by some of the best. Uh, about as mainline evangelical as you can get, I know all the, all the right answers. But when someone can't seem, they're in this sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess cycle, I'm going, what is that? Mm -hmm. what, what, what am I missing? And so when the Lord brought me this spiritual intrusion piece, uh, it, it took me a little while to kind of go, oh, that's, that's what's going on? And he goes, uh-huh. And I go, well, how's that work? <laughs> so, so I've spent the last 20 years figuring out how that works. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think that would be true to a lot of our experience as well. You know, when you feel like, man, why do I keep coming back to the same sin? Yes. Right? Why doesn't because, this one just... Because, ever... I'm not, because I'm not just dealing with the Roman seven piece. Right. Okay. That's, that's the thing. Because I would, I would just be told, all right, look, you love your sin more than the Savior. And I'm going, no, I don't. I hate this. I don't want this. And yeah. then they'd go, well, you're not spending enough time in the Word. You're not memorizing enough. I was discipled by a navigator, for goodness sake. <laughs> okay. right. Spiritual disciplines, 
I, I check, 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 you know? Yeah. And then after a while, they just go, well, maybe it's just your thorn in the flesh, your cross to bear, where he, you're weak, he's made strong. And I go, so you ain't got an answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That passage didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is the missing piece of the puzzle that we, be because, first of all, I just didn't know. I mean, I wasn't taught, I wasn't trained. I had no idea. I had some charismatic friends, but they kind of, I didn't listen to them really. Uh, and so for lots of reasons, um, I, I, I didn't get what I'm trying to teach now. And and so I really feel like part of what the reason the Lord's brought it to me is I'm supposed to train the troops. Us mainline evangelicals go, look, guys, stop being freaked out or fascinated. Listen, look at the facts, what the Word of God says. Hmm. Do something about it. You can do something about it. Yeah. So let me, you know, when you go into Scripture, you do see you do see exorcisms happen, right? Yeah. Um, or the casting out of, of demons. And one of the scholars that does the most work on this is a guy named Graham Twelfth Tree. I don't know if you've ever read his stuff. I have um, but um, you know, when you look into those those narratives, and and I, I'm, I'm trying to, I said, you know, there's Hollywood, and then there's what we're probably going to talk about, right? right? There's the sensationalizing of of what happens, and with some, for example, uh, there was a podcast called Capturing Christianity. And they had a Catholic priest on there. I believe that podcast has been listened to over a million times. He was talking about uh, his experience with the, the demonic and casting out demons. And, you know, as a Catholic priest, he comes in, he says, we, if we can't get them to a holy place, meaning something like a church, we try to consecrate the space that they're in. And then, of course, you have a, a very ritualistic approach to an exorcism, right? So there's the, the reading of scripture, uh, often the, the, the holy water, the presence of the cross and so forth. But when you look in scripture and you see the, whether it's Jesus confronting demons or, or others, you, you don't really see anything like that, right? right. Uh, right. So here's the question, who's got it right, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm asking, basically the question is, is what, 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 what do you do when you are confronted with the demonic and you know, if scripture, if you have them casting out demons in scripture, presumably that's the same kind of thing that we can do today, but how would we go about it? Is it, is it what the, the Catholics are doing or is it something else? Well, um, I, I don't remember whether it was Wesley or who it was that said, um, I like what I'm doing more than what they're doing. Uh, but fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, um, again, early days, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. And my very first experience, uh, I've got this spirit confronting me, and I'm saying, In Jesus' name, you got to go. And, and the spirit's going, I don't think so. And in my head, I'm going, Wait a minute, aren't those magic words? You know? <laughs> So it's like, I, I, I don't know what to do, right? Well, what the Lord's been teaching me is, see, first and foremost is this. I, and I've had spirits say to me, look, you can make me leave and I'll be right back as soon as he leaves your office. And I'm going, yeah, I get it. I know how this works, all right? Uh, see, I don't, I don't have to know the spirit's name. I don't, I don't have to have music playing. I don't have to read scripture. I don't have to throw holy water on them. I don't. You know, I don't have to shout, they're not deaf. I don't have to scream. I don't have to do any of that stuff. That's right. the movie. So really, me engaging darkness is pretty much like this. Okay? It, it, and so when, when a spirit is trying to block the person I'm helping from being helped, um. What I do is, is I will just say, I'll, I've learned to pray, and I just go, Lord Jesus, uh, Jimmy here, is, uh, he's come for some help. There's a spirit that's blocking him and trying to prevent that from happening, but he, he came for help. So um, I ask, please, for some temporary orders concerning this spirit. I realize the spirit's got a right to harass him. Don't know what it is yet, but I, I get that. So, but I'd ask for some temporary orders to move that spirit aside temporarily 
so I can help Jimmy. Okay, Jimmy, Jimmy, talk to me, Jimmy. I work at, at talking with the human, mm-hmm. all right? Because I want them to realize that once they bow their knee to Jesus, now they have the authority to tell that spirit to leave. So that's what I do the vast majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, occasionally, I've got somebody so covered up that they need my help. You know, it's kind of an ER tie off the bleeder kind of thing. Okay. And I'll do that. All right. But, but I know that if I don't help them uh, learn to go to Jesus, right. then I am, quote, unquote, the exorcist, which is a bad plan. That's not what the Bible intends at all. All right. Not, not at all. So my job is to help them understand how it works. And then as we explore how that spirit gained access, now it's about maybe there's a confession. Maybe there's repentance. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a, um, they've got something, it's an idol that they need to reject and renounce. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's unforgiveness. I remember one guy that uh, his uh, best friend had an affair with his wife. And I worked for a number of months helping him process that pain. And he said to me, it's going to be a cold day you know where before I forgive that guy. And I said, I get it. I know we need to work on this. But ultimately, that's going to be really important. So after about eight months of work, he said, okay, I think I'm finally at a place where I can do that. Hmm. And what was really interesting, a spirit was blocking his ability to say it. And he had to say, okay, Jesus, I need your help to make the declarative. I forgive Jimmy, whoever it was, okay? So that he could break that and that spirit that had that lockdown control on him could leave. So that's really the way it plays. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, now here in a second, I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up to the to the audience. They're gonna have a chance to ask you some questions, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end my part with um, we're gonna go Hollywood here for a second, okay? All right. What's some of the craziest stuff you've seen? Don't lie. <laughs> well, the craziest was the very first session where I didn't have any idea what to do when you didn't know what you were doing, right? <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing at all, you know. And that was an all-day thing. I had uh, six different spirits confront me, and uh, we worked all afternoon, took a break for dinner. I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) Worked into the night. We're Baptists, man. We're always willing to break for dinner. Yeah, yeah, we we got to go get get some food before I can keep doing it. Um, But but what I would say is the, the most wow factor for me See, Satan is not omnipresent. Right. Uh, We talk like he is. Satan did this and Satan did that. Well, maybe, but he's not omnipresent. And, you know, there's one or two people in this world. (laughs) So (laughs) there's billions of folks around here. So how does he do what he does? Well, he does it with his vast organization. So um, rarely do I ever uh, encounter Satan himself. and so the most wow factor is I've had the privilege of watching Jesus personally deal with Satan himself on more than one occasion. So that's the big wow factor for me. Wow. All right. All right, friends. Now the mic is open. It's over here, right? And so come up and here's the thing. Let's ask a question. That's kind of what this is for. Uh, we want to hear what the good Dr. Lamance has to say. But maybe there's a question that you've had. It could be a question that you have from Scripture or something that's been born from your experience. Or it may be just in the conversation that we've been having back and forth. It's, it's brought something uh, forward in your mind that you would like to ask. I just want you to know that the mic is open for you right now. And feel free to go up there. And we'll wait for you here for just a second. Actually, I don't have to wait long. We've got somebody. All right. I have a question for the twins. Um, you were talking about how the demons will speak to you. Um, and you don't have to yell at them or anything like that. Um, they want to know, the person who has lost that control to that spirit or demon, their consciousness, is it like a backseat in the back of their mind? Do they know that something is speaking through them? Or do they have no recollection of that happening? Well, that's a great question. It is a good question. And it can go. It can go either way. It depends on 
how intrusive the situation is. Um, I mean, I've had some people that were so covered up that um, they kind of got hijacked and, and didn't really even recognize what was going on. And, and then it's like, hey, what just happened kind of thing. Um, but uh, I've also had a number of folks where they do recognize what's going on and, and they'll say to me, it feels like I'm in the back seat and I can't seem to get to the front seat kind of thing. It's like I'm watching what's happening. So one of the things that I work at, I mentioned this a while ago, is I work very, very hard to try to help people understand, look, you don't have to let them hijack the vocal cords. You, I mean, you don't have to give control to them. You can, but you don't have to. Just had a, a guy week before Thanksgiving, and a spirit was uh, trying to hijack vocal cords, and I, I'll, I'll call him Jim. I said, Jim, nuh-uh, don't let that happen. No. Tell him, no, we're not doing that. You're not doing that. And so you have volitional will to tell them no. And so what happens, see, I don't have the power in myself to remove them. That requires Jesus. But I don't have to yield and do what they say. Got it. Good. Good. Thanks for the question. Anybody else have a question? I've known a few believers who have mentioned demons coming to them like at night, right? Like that time where they're falling asleep and it's, it's really more of like a fear thing. And what would you say to, you know, how would you encourage a believer who is maybe dealing with some of that, um, I don't know if it's anxiety or whatever it is, that spirit of fear in those late night moments, I guess? Okay, Uh, great question. Um, Yes, spiritual evil will intrude in our dreams. Um, They they can physically touch us. They can can do that stuff. And... uh, Matter of fact, uh, just mm, three or four nights ago, um, they did that with my daughter, uh, who's in the hospital right now. So, um, what, what, and what she's learned to do, what I've, uh, and she's an adult, by the way, 36. But so, what, what I teach people to do is look, um, if you wake up and they've intruded in your dreams, okay, you've had a nightmare, whatever. What I tell people to do is just immediately go to Jesus and, and just say, I, I don't, I reject that. I don't receive that. See, just because you had a thought doesn't mean you got to think it. Mm. All right. And, uh, that's, that's during daylight as well. <laughs> so, Fair uh, but just that, just cause you had a, had a dream doesn't mean you got to think about it. And, and so a nightmare is darkness wants you to think about it so they can intrude in your daytime. So, you wake up and the first thing you do is just, I, I don't receive that. I reject it. Uh, matter of fact, I want you to erase that from my memory. I don't want to think about that. I just want to think about you and your word and you redirect it. Don't let them hijack your thinking. And, and so now if a person is having, um, they're afraid to go to bed or that type of thing, again, that's, uh, that's prayer time before you go to, go to sleep. And, uh, and inviting uh, God's presence over you. Mm. See, I don't care how spiritual you are, how godly you are, spiritual evil will intrude in your life. Mm. Uh, spiritual evil, I don't like the fact they intrude in our worship services every Sunday. They intrude in my personal quiet time and Bible study. Mm. Uh, I actually had a, a church leader not that long ago, we were talking, he said, I have these horrible thoughts in, in worship service. And I said, well, they're not yours. He goes, they're not. I, said, no. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> you, you, you just said you, you don't want them and you're not there. And they just kind of come into your head. <laughs> so, um, so they're going to intrude uh, nighttime, daytime, any way they can. You don't have to think about what they're saying. You don't have to go with the thoughts and the feelings. You don't have to. You can choose not to. Yeah, like the shirt says, not today, Satan. 
Not today. Even though not it may today. not be Satan. Not today, whoever yeah. you are, right? Well, not today, Spirit. Not That's today, right. Spirit. Exactly. Good. <laughs> anybody else? Does anybody else have a question for the good Dr. Lamance? Because the mic is open. All right. We have somebody coming up. I've had this question for a while. I'm a school teacher and I'm aware of that some of the problems that the kids face is basically, um, you know, garbage from the home life and, and I un understand that some of it can be demonic. And so over the years I've prayed for my students, I pray over the classroom, um, I've gotten down on my knees. Um, to pray over the room, I'll speak out and take authority in the room, but it's still, um, you know, it's a lot of kids and a lot of problems coming from a lot of different places. And I remember one time I met them at the door and I told, decided that it was chaos. And so this one particular kid, I said to him, no chaos today. Because I knew the power in, in um, naming things for what it is. And he just said, oh, miss, I'm so sorry. I can't control it. I don't mean to. And, you know, he melted my heart, of course. But I realize this is an issue that happens every day in our public schools. Hmm. So what can I do more than what I'm already doing? Because I can't really say you know, put up my hands in the name of Jesus, you know, stop, right? right? So, well, you can, I, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, um, and also I feel like, you know, it, that's not really a conversation I can have with my fellow teachers about. Well, I understand. I understand. Now, first of all, good question. thank you for what you're doing. And you're having a profound impact that you don't even know about. Uh, see, one of the things that darkness loves to do is they will always rub in our face anything they were able to accomplish in spite of our prayers, but they will never want you to know what you shut down and stopped. So what I want you to understand is if you were not doing what you're doing, consecrating the ground every day, praying continually like you've been doing, interceding the way you've been doing, it would be way, way worse. And many of those children have margin in your classroom that they do not have in other classrooms. Mm. So please know this. This is the reality. Um, and, and keep on doing that. Now, uh, the great news is this. Um, darkness, they, one of the games they love to play is they say, well, you can't speak out because it's a public situation here so you can't challenge us publicly and so here's the cool thing jesus can so all you do is you pray silently and ask jesus to do what needs to be done and so when you're picking up on something jesus i need you to go after the chaos that's going on right now jesus uh, uh susie over there i can tell in her eyes that there is some intense pain would you grace her with some some margin right now, whether she knows you or not. Okay. Uh, so your intercession all day long like that is enormous. And uh, so keep on keeping on. You're making a profound difference. Yeah, it's a good word and a good question. Thanks, friend. Anybody else? He's on his way. All right. All right, man. Um, I have a question because um, earlier you talked about other people noticing that you're off and kind of seeing that there's a dark influence over them. And sometimes people can tell themselves, like they can feel that something's not right or they can definitively right. say right. what's wrong with them. But I guess I'm asking, how do you discern for yourself the difference between just because even though you might not have a mental illness um how do you discern from dark energy or demons on you other than 
emotions that you may be feeling or mm -hmm. things you may be working through? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, that's a good so, question. So what I tell people is this. Because it's both and rather than either or, all right? So just, just start thinking both and every day. That's just kind of the way it plays. I always start with me before I deal with the enemy. Okay? So I always start with me before I deal with the enemy. So uh, let's say I'm really angry about something. And, I, and so I go, Jesus, I'm really ticked off right now. So I need to have a conversation with him about how I feel. All right? I need to be real with how I feel. Or I'm depressed, or I'm sad, or I'm scared, or whatever I am. All right? So start with going to him with what's going on. Then I'll say, okay, um, what do I need to hear from you about what's going on with me? In what ways am I not relating with you correctly? Hmm. Now, most of the time, that's not rocket science. See, it's not like I got to spend a you know a weekend trying to figure out if I'm um, ignoring what God says, if I'm choosing to not forgive. I mean, a Holy Spirit tends to flag that stuff. Hmm. My problem is I don't tend to listen to that stuff. And, and so when I don't listen to that stuff, it will be leveraged by darkness. So it's always going to be worse. So that's why I've always got to start with me. So I start with me and it's like, okay, all right. Um, said be angry, but sin not. Okay. Well, that really ticks me off. And so I, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, in whatever way spiritual evil you're using this, in Jesus' name, no, uh-uh, get out of here, we're not playing that game. Hmm. So that's the way it does. You do that all day long. I don't spend a lot of time now trying to figure out, did that come from me, did that come from the enemy? I always start with me and Jesus, and then I deal with the darkness. So it's like, whatever part of that is not of me in Jesus' name, I reject that. But you focus on Jesus, deal with the enemy. That is the primary thing if you get nothing else from tonight get that focus on jesus deal with the enemy and secondly don't think event and it comes to dealing with darkness it's supposed to be part of the sanctification process it's it's a it's an all my life piece because dealing my, my walk with jesus will deal with darkness that's the way when you read the Bible, that's the way it plays. So I, I, I got to focus on my relationship with Jesus and I will deal with the darkness and encounter the darkness as I go. So it's a sanctification thing. People that come to me and say, hey, I need to deal. Uh, can, can we do a deep dive with spiritual evil? Well, yeah, but that isn't going to fix the problem. It's not a it's not a six hour exorcism thing. OK. And, and in fact, what I tell people is you want to think multiple times with Jesus, multi-story house going room to room over a period of months, cleaning house with Jesus before you even get to a place <laughs> where you can think in terms of uh, dealing with one-offs that, that are coming your way. Yeah, it's a good thought. Good words. All right, my friends. The hour is up. That went by pretty fast, didn't it? Hey, first, let's give a, a word of thanks to Dr. Lamance for joining us tonight. Welcome. We really, really appreciate it. And by the way, all of you asked questions. Those were some really, really good questions. Uh, what I hope is that is that this, this was helpful. We always want this to be helpful. We want to overcome some misconceptions. A lot of times we do have beliefs that are informed by not the best sources, and so we wanted to overcome some of those, those things. And I think tonight went a long way, so we really do appreciate you very much. So just to remind the, the group here, uh, you have a website, edlamance.com. Right? right? And you also have, so there are some talks that you can go there and you can watch. And some of the things that we've talked about tonight are, are fleshed out a little bit more there if you're interested. So go to Ed Lamance. It's L-A-Y-M-A-N-C-E, edlamance.com. Feel free to watch any of those things. I think you'll, you'll be greatly benefited by it. But you also have some books as well. Um, and so all of those are on your website too, right? 
Yes. Yep. And so for those of you that are readers, I want you to feel free to check those things out so that you can spend a little bit more intentional time dwelling over what it is, uh, a little bit more intentionally, a little bit more deeply, what it is that we just hit on for an hour tonight. But uh, was it at least helpful a little bit for you? Good. Very good. Well, thanks again, my friend. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to let you go. And uh, okay. we just wish many blessings on you and the work that you're doing up there because I know that it is, uh, you know, it can take a toll on you. And so. Thank you. And uh, blessings on you guys too. And however I can uh, be a help in the days ahead, let me know. Well, Galatians 6 9, my friend, do not grow weary in doing good. So I'm going to close our time with a word of prayer. And after that, there's still coffee over there. And so I want you to feel free to grab that. But let's close with prayer, my friends. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this place. Uh, we thank you that you are an ever-present help in our time of need, which is most of our time. And uh, I, I thank you for the things that we've considered tonight, uh, for the clarity that it's brought, and especially for some things as serious as how it is that we, we take seriously uh, the unseen realm, uh, the way that you and demons are at work around us. I pray that we would take the things that have been entrusted to us tonight and put it to good work, put it to good use for our good, for our edification, and for our blessing. And then, of course, for Dr. Lamance, I pray that you would, you would bless the work that he puts his hands to for the people that he's going to be encountering this week and in the coming weeks and in the months and the years ahead, that many of them would be blessed because of the work that you do through him. And all of this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great to see you, my friends. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. For more information about Consider This, visit us at considerthiswbc.com.